0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to "There's Some Horrors in This House" podcast. Um, I'm recording alone again today because COVID has been really messing up our recording schedule. Maiden and I are both fine; our families are fine, but just out of precaution, um, we've been kind of quarantining and just keeping safe and staying healthy um, because of the holidays and the rising numbers in the counties and whatnot. So. We just decided to forego recording this week, and hopefully by next week we are back on some kind of schedule uh, so that we can put out full episodes for you guys once again. Um, But today I have another little mini episode for you, and this was actually requested kind of indirectly by my fiancé, Slam. Um, Slam didn't know about this story, but I had seen on Facebook that they are remaking the movie to this. They made a movie about this case um, in 1986, but they are remaking it um, this year or next year, whenever uh, I guess they get to filming. But uh, so it piqued my interest again in this case, and I really thought it would be fun uh, to cover it before the movie came out, whenever that's going to be. So, the case is sort of paranormal and sort of true crime. It's a little bit of a hybrid this week. Um, but this is the case of the Silent Twins, otherwise known as the Gibbons Twins. So, June and Jennifer Gibbons were born in Barbados on uh, April 11th, 1963. And shortly after they were born, they moved to Wales. Now, typically, twins have a tighter bond than ordinary siblings, and Jennifer and June were no exception, and arguably, they were even tighter than even a normal set of twins are. As soon as they could speak, they began to speak in their own kind of language that only each other could understand. It's best described in sources as sort of a sped-up version of Bajan Creole. Growing up in Wales and being the only Black family in their community and only speaking to each other was difficult for the twins. They were very isolated, not only from their classmates, but also their own family and other siblings. This, as you can imagine, was pretty traumatic for the twins, isolating them even further and tightening their bond to each other even more. Eventually, to keep them from being tormented and bullied by their classmates, the school began dismissing them early every day. Now, their language became even more difficult for others to understand, and they also began mirroring mirroring, sorry that is so hard to say, mirroring each other's actions, moving as if they come from one mind. They spoke to no one else other than each other and their younger sister Rose. Now at school, they started refusing to read or write and soon a child psychologist was called in to evaluate the sisters. After trying multiple therapists, the twins still refused to talk to no one else And so they were separated, being sent to different boarding schools in hopes that they would start to develop their own independence from each other. Now this backfired because instead of encouraging the girls to live separate individual lives, the girls withdrew even more into themselves and just essentially became catatonic. Finally, they were reunited and they spent the next two years in isolation in their bedrooms. They received journals one year as presents, and this sparked their interest in writing and began their writing careers. Both have written and published mystery novels. But by the time they turned 18, they began using drugs and alcohol and participated in a variety of petty crime, including theft, arson, and vandalism. Uh, One such instance, they were arrested and that led to them being hospitalized at the Broadmoor Hospital, which is a high-security mental institution, and they spent the next 11 years institutionalized here. Now, one woman, Marjorie Wallace, who was an investigative journalist, heard about this unusual pair of twins and decided to reach out to the Gibbons family. She visited with Jennifer and June at the Broadmoor, and slowly but surely the girls began opening up to her with their story and their story was much darker than anyone could have ever imagined through interviews and upon reading their journals wallace discovered that june felt possessed by her sister jennifer she referred to her in her writings as her dark shadow likewise jennifer's diary revealed that she thought of she and june as fatal enemies and described her sister as the face of misery deception and murder the deep dark secret of the twins was that through the years they began to resent each other and eventually that resent turned into disdain and hatred so only being able to communicate with one another was a lot lonelier than anyone could have ever imagined june seemed to be more fearful of jennifer and jennifer seemed to be more of the domineering alpha twin ultimately between the twins they had decided for them to be truly free from one another that one twin would have to die surprisingly the one who offered up her own life was jennifer the more domineering twin in a transfer to another hospital jennifer died on the way of what's called as an inflamed heart. They had told Wallace this in one of her visits before the transfer. Now, this is a direct quote from Marjorie Wallace. She states, I took my daughter in and we went through all the doors and we went into the place where the visitors were allowed to have tea. And we had quite a jolly conversation to begin with. And then suddenly, in the middle of the conversation, Jennifer said, Marjorie, Marjorie, I'm going to have to die. And I sort of laughed and said, what? Don't be silly. You're just about to be freed from Broadmoor. Why do you have to die? You're not ill. And she said, because we've decided. And at that point, I got very, very frightened because I could see that they meant it. Marjorie reported her conversation to hospital doctors who assured her that the twins were under constant surveillance. The morning of the transport, Jennifer claimed that she wasn't feeling well. She rested her head upon June's shoulder and she said, At long last, we're out. And she slipped into a coma state. Twelve hours later, Jennifer was dead. Her death still remains a mystery. Upon her sister's death, June wrote in her journal, Today, my beloved twin sister Jennifer died. She is dead. Her heart stopped beating. She will never recognize me. Mom and Dad came to see her body. I kissed her stone-colored face. I went hysterical with grief. Even though she mourned her sister, Wallace reported that June seemed like she was a new person, freer and more willing to talk than ever before. She discussed with Wallace her and Jennifer's decision that one twin would have to die and that it would now be her responsibility to live for Jennifer. June still lives today in Wales and lives a seemingly normal and healthy life. She's a part of society and her community and she speaks to with anyone who is willing to speak to her. When she was asked why her sister and her spent 30 years of their life being silent, she said, We made a pact. We said we weren't going to speak to anybody. We stopped talking all together, only two of us in our bedroom upstairs. The case of the Gibbons twins is just really sad and really mysterious, but I guess ultimately it had a happy ending considering that June seems alive and well and happy today, but still... It's a bizarre case. And if you're interested in hearing more about it, there's plenty of other podcasts out there that have excellent in-depth episodes. This was really just a brief overview. And I just really caught my interest the other day when I saw that they were going to remake this 1986 movie. Uh, Marjorie Wallace also published a book called The Silent Twins. So if you're interested in more about her findings and her investigative journalism, you could read that book as well. So I want to thank you all for listening again, and apologies again for not being able to record full episodes, but the world is just crazy down right now. So um, hopefully, like I said, we will get back to our normal recording schedule soon, Um, and I just hope everybody stays safe and has a happy holiday season And be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. We are so close to getting 100 likes on our Facebook page. And as soon as we do, we want to do something cool. So please continue to spread the word to your friends. And any platform that you listen to this podcast on, be sure to give us a five-star review and say something nice and spread the word. Because we love doing this. And we love true crime and paranormal. And we know you guys do too. So every ounce of your support really helps our efforts to put out more episodes and better quality content. So please continue to give us your feedback and suggestions and reach out to us on social media. And and until next time, I'm Fluff, and it's been good talking to you.